It's time for JT the Brick, live at Super Bowl 57. Touchdown, Kansas City! Travis Kelsey from Patrick Mahomes! Two teams that I don't like, one that I grew up hating in Philadelphia, and the arch nemesis of the Raider Nation are playing each other in the Super Bowl. So I did not win the lottery on that. No one picked us to win. But I'm pretty pissed off. You can't doubt the Chiefs! You can dislike the Chiefs! You can disrespect the Chiefs! I believe that Kansas City won the game with the help of the officials. Sound off with JT the Brick. We got to do some Super Bowl talk here. The Philadelphia Eagles have won the NFC Championship. This is the worst case scenario. If you were told me in my life who are the two teams I don't want to see in the Super Bowl, it would be Philadelphia, the team of my youth that I hated, and it would be Kansas City. Attention, air traffic control. A flock of Eagles is heading to Arizona. Philadelphia, I need them to beat Kansas City. Raider Nation all day. I can't ever go for the Queens ever, ever, ever. So I'm a Philly fan from this point until the Super Bowl is over. But I know the job isn't done. Let's do our job on the radio to root against Kansas City. The Super Bowl is set, and I got a lot to get to. And now, live from Radio Row, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we begin live from Radio Row and a monster show lined up for you here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. I'm really excited what we got lined up the next two hours. I think you're going to love it. Uh, Ian Rappaport will join us, which is a big get here considering all the news and what could be happening here with Derek Carr. Ian Rappaport from NFL Network will join us here in a little bit, so stick around for that. Bill Romanowski, RomoCop, will join us at the top of the hour. Always a fixture on Radio Row. We're going to get him on the phone and a couple of other big guests. Vinny Bonsignor, our Raider insider here at the bottom of the hour, Kyle Turley, and a lot of people that I've talked to earlier today, including James Lofton, several of the Hall of Famers. Warren Moon's going to join us. So this is day two, and it's rolling, and we're ready to go. And what a tradition. This is my 25th year on Radio Row, and a mainstay for me is the great Hall of Fame quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, Jim Kelly. Jim, I know you're catching a flight. Thanks so much for doing this. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I got my beautiful daughter, Erin, taking me to the airport, which is good. We got a sunny day in Buffalo, New York. And I know the yeah. weather, the temperature's a little different than where you're at, but you know what? I'm heading there with my high school football coach. I'm taking him to the Super Bowl, so I'm excited about that. And, you know, Jim, you introduced me to him at the Hall of Fame when we came back for the Gold Jacket Party where I was with your coach. I love that. Take our listeners behind the scenes when you're able to not only do it with your family. I know your high school football family to you, and you could have an experience like that. There's no doubt. I think this is the 33rd Super Bowl that I've taken my high school football coach with me. The brothers used to go, but now when the tickets are like three, four thousand dollars just to go in, even do you think about getting where you can see the game? I go, brothers, I love you to death. You know, I didn't make Josh Allen money, so uh, you have to watch this from your TV set. So you know what? Yeah, yeah. Bottom line is though, you know, my high school football coach is the reason I've made it to the NFL, and he was a big part of me going to the University of Miami and. You know what? I owe him so, so much, and he's also my best friend. So he not only goes to the Super Bowl with me all the time, but I take him on hunting trips. We both love the outdoors. We camp out. We, we do pretty much everything. So, yeah, it's awesome. 
Uh, Jim Kelly's our guest. Uh, Jim, I picked Buffalo to win the Super Bowl this year, and you know I work for the Raiders. I don't throw that out lightly. I thought this was clearly the best team in football, and you'd be here with your Buffalo Bills. Taking a look, aside from DeMar Hamlin and what happened, what do you think was the issue this year? Because I thought the team was stacked and loaded to be here in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, ever since that happened, it was almost like everybody thought that that would be the little point to get the, the Bills to get all pumped up, and it took something out of life. That's my personal opinion. I mean, being able to you know, watch it and see what happened personally for me, I've seen, as you well know, I, I've seen so many different types of injuries. I've, I've had many myself. That was one where it, it was different. It took everything out of me. I felt that way for a long time. I felt that way at home, and I don't know. You know what? When they when they lost um, Vaughn Miller, I think that was a big blow to the defense because we didn't have a pass rush after that. Even though there were some young guys in there, I think by not having Vaughn in there, took some of it out. And as we all know, you offensively you move, but it's good to have a defense that gives you that short field. And I think over a period of time, I almost think personally, uh, I think. Josh might felt a little pressure on himself to be able to make all the big mm-hmm. plays when he had to when you definitely need a running game. And I think we have I think our running game is pretty good, but I don't think we gave it enough opportunities to be able to take some of that pressure off Josh, knowing that we're not gonna win we're gonna win or lose by how he plays. So I think going into next year, I think one of the things that uh, uh, Ken Dorsey's gotta do is try to figure out how we get that running game going to make sure that Josh doesn't have to make the big play all the time. So it, it came down. I think everybody was already had their tickets to the Super Bowl. I, as right. a former player, I definitely did not. I said, guys, you have to take one game at a time. And I know, as you well know, that's an old cliche, but I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. When you start looking ahead, that's going to hurt you. And I don't think the Bill did. I think we had a heck of a team. But I do think uh, the, the one that I think hurt us a lot was when Von Miller went down. And, Jim, to follow up, I know how much the Pagula family thinks of you and what you mean in the community. Hopefully we never see anything like what happened to DeMar Hamlin again. I know it deeply affected you. I can't imagine what it was like in the locker room when they saw him, when they had to leave Cincinnati without him and all that. That had to, have, that had to take a major toll on them mentally going into the playoffs. It had to. I, you know what? That's one of the things you feel, okay, is this going to pump them up? Or it's going to take something out of them. Right. If you look at the outcome after, it almost looks like it took something out of them. But the thing is, nobody, well, of course, nobody's ever seen something like that happen. But you thank the good Lord that uh, DeMar is all right now. He's doing well. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll ever play again. I don't know that for sure. But I'll tell you what, if it's me, I might think twice about it. But I'll tell you what, uh, it's, it, thank God that uh, he's able to you know, walk around, talk to people, and be able to live somewhat of a normal life. I mean, that that's a miracle in itself. Jim, last one. I know you're heading to the airport. I want to ask you about the quarterbacks. I talked to Warren Moon, your friend, about it. The first time two African-American quarterbacks will start in the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, who you know. Just give me a comment on both quarterbacks coming into this very physical Super Bowl where these quarterbacks are big and strong and are going to have to run. Well, with Jalen Hurts, I met him uh, when he was a senior in college. I met him at an award ceremony where we both got something from the quarterback club, and I got to speak with him and his father, and he got, became a, a, a good friend. We text all the time this year. We texted a lot throughout the year. And I was always wishing him the best, and I was always hoping it was going to be Philadelphia. 
against, uh, you know, the Bills, of course. And he laughed at it. I said, well, now that the Bills are out, I'm pulling for you, Jalen. So, uh, Patrick, yeah, just an uh, all-run good guy. He, he, he's got every tool it takes. He's still got the speed receivers. He's got a good running back. He's got, uh, you know, his what he's able to do with his, uh, you know, not only his arm, but his legs. And I know with his injury, that's going to take somewhat out of it. But anytime he is on the field, you got to expect the best. And you, you want to get that big lead because you know sooner or later he's going to score. Jim, your friendship to Mark Davis, your friendship to me means everything. Teresa's out here. Johnny Mack I was with last night. They're all waiting for you to come out here and represent Buffalo. Thanks so much for doing this for me, and I'll see you when you get out here in a few hours. Sounds good, bud. You take care. God bless all the, the people out there. And, uh, I mean, I w- wish I could say, let's go Buffalo. But, unfortunately, it's I guess I have to do it like they do. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! <laughs> Take care, Jim. Have a safe flight. Best to your daughter. Thank you. You got it, my brother. Jim Kelly. That is so important to me, everybody. You know, when I can take you behind the scenes and tell you about this, Jim Kelly fought cancer to the point where we almost lost him. Now he's back, and we talk every year at the Super Bowl. We've been friends. He's such good friends with Mark Davis. He goes back to Mark Davis uh, to his early, early career. Uh, when he was playing in the USFL. That's how tight he is with Mark Davis. And the fact that we still have Jim with us, and I really thought Buffalo was coming in, and I've met mutual friends because of Jim Kelly. So every year on Radio Row, I call him because you don't want Jim at at this stage of his life. He's not going to come down to Radio Row. He's got big family and big friends, and he's flying out here today. I texted him last night. He goes, absolutely. I just want to lead off your show. Can I lead off your show? I go, sure, Jim, and he does. He calls into Bobby, and everything's great right out of the gate. That just you know fills my heart to talk to Jim Kelly, the Hall of Fame quarterback. Very emotional when I get to talk to him because four, five, six years ago, we didn't think we were going to have him because of the cancer that he had and what was happening with that cancer. It was so serious running through him, and now I get a chance to talk to him. And how cool is that? He's taken his high school football coach to 33 straight Super Bowls, 33, and he brings them there as a friend and a mentor. That is such a cool story. So welcome in, everybody. Let me tell you what's been going on since I last talked to you. Last night on Radio Row, I was here for LeBron James. So I was the only one in this building doing my nighttime show as LeBron James broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record, and it happened within 30 seconds to the end of my show. So we brought it to everyone live. We were able to go out to L.A. and take the live feed of it, and then as soon as he made the bucket, I had about 10 seconds to, or 20 seconds to wrap up the radio show, and I walked out of here to go to a great dinner with a brand-new scoring title leader in the history of the NBA, LeBron James. So that was cool. I'm not a huge LeBron fan, but I like history. So to do that last night and be on the radio was a lot of fun. And then uh, to get out here on Radio Row with Q and the whole team here from Raider Nation Radio, they've been grinding, and we have a new podcast up for the Raiders called Raiders Roundtable, and we're just adding content. So you'll be able to see that on YouTube as we open up the show. Now, I definitely want to hear from you today because I'm here today and tomorrow. Harry Ruiz is in for me on Friday, and i got to get your phone call here on the Super Bowl, your prediction, who's going to win, who's the MVP. It's a very simple topic the rest of the week as we open up the show, live from the Phoenix Convention Center, downtown, site of Radio Row, Super Bowl 57, and we're brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They own the Strat. 
They own Arizona Charlie's. They own 64-plus taverns here in the Valley. We are here at the Super Bowl because PT's fuels the monologue and gives me an opportunity every day to jump in and do the show. Bobby, I'd like to get to Ian Rappaport, so let me know if I can get to that. I think it's really important today. So we're going to play Ian Rappaport here, who sat down with me a little while ago. We'll get to that in a few moments before Vinny Bonsignor. To get Ian and Vinny Bonsignor on Derek Carr, as you know, Derek Carr's in New Orleans now. So that's a massive topic here on Radio Row is the future of what's going to happen with Derek Carr as the Raiders had to agree with this when compensation was met. So that doesn't mean we have a deal. We don't have a done deal. But in order for the Raiders to approve Derek Carr to go to New Orleans, they New Orleans had agreed to the compensation to start the conversation to get this going. So it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But it could happen, and I think that's the start of something. Now, I've said this would be a good fit for Derek Carr. I've been telling you for weeks, I think the NFC South is the place for Derek Carr to be vibrant. I think this is the place where he's going to end up. I just sat down with Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. We began talking about Derek Carr. And we're here with Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. And, Ian, great time to talk to you again. Good to see well, you on something Radio going on. There's a lot happening. And if it, if it isn't Derek Carr going to New Orleans, where do you think a good fit for Derek Carr is? I mean, I, I, like, I do like the fit in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the fact that he, as we speak right now, is in New Orleans visiting with his old friend Dennis Allen, who obviously you guys know well and he knows well. Um, you know, I think that's, uh, that's significant. The fact that the Saints got permission to speak with him is significant to me. Uh, it means they're serious. It means they would do a deal. Now, I don't know what Derek Carr wants. He has a no-trade clause. Obviously, he gets his say on there, um, on that. But to me, it's a really good spot. What I find fascinating is his compensation, which we agreed to with the Raiders. Now he's moving on. Is that the market for him, or you think it's a bigger or lesser market for him, that money? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is interesting because yeah. I could sort of, you know, I think that would be an okay salary for mm-hmm. him. Uh, and, you know, he sort of joked about how he played this year, so I don't think it's going crazy to say he could have played a little bit better. Um, had he played to his capability, the salary would have probably been no big deal. Um, I'm fascinated by what the market will show because, you know, if, if they do a trade, then I think there's no market and he lands in a fantastic spot. Either way, the Raiders are going to unload the salary, so it's, it's almost – it's immaterial to them almost. Um, but I'm, if he does get free, it's going to be interesting to see because my guess is Garoppolo makes somewhere between 25 and 30. Okay. I would imagine Carr makes somewhat similar, mm-hmm. right? So if you're talking, you know, if that's the case, then that's probably the same guaranteed money as he's going to get anyway. So that's why, to me, a trade has always made sense. But obviously, Derek has to want to do it because he has the no-trade clause. Ian Rappaport joins us. Knowing the Raiders, where they are in the cap and cap space, and the draft equity Dave Ziegler has, does Aaron Rodgers make sense to you, considering what they have to do rebuilding the defense with all the stars Aaron Rodgers would play with as assets and weapons on the outside? It makes sense to consider it, and I think the Raiders should, will and should. To actually do the deal, I mean, the problem is, I could say to you, I have all the reasons why it doesn't make sense, right? They, I'm not going to say they're rebuilding, but they are retooling a little mm-hmm. bit younger. Yeah. Cap situation's not great. They had a quarterback come in and play pretty good at the yeah. end of the year. So, like, I have no idea what Jared Stidham's going to be, but there are some signs that maybe he's... Maybe he's pretty good. So from a 10-win team to a 6-win team that blew five second-half big leads, double-digit leads, 
where do you think Josh McDaniels is more comfortable with? A C.J. Stroud at seven, moving up to get a Bryce Young, having well, that let me, franchise Let me go back to answer your, let me answer your yeah. first question first, right? So, you know, you could say it doesn't make sense to get Aaron Rodgers. The problem is he's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And if you guaranteed any team that you could have Aaron Rodgers, then you got one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That's the problem is I can give you a lot of reasons why it doesn't make sense, but it's still Aaron Rodgers. And you have to think about it. As far as the other question, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders do both. Okay. That's, let's say, let's just assume Rodgers doesn't happen. Let's just say that, okay? Then they have Jared Stidham, who looked good. They draft someone, whoever it is, mm-hmm. and they move forward with both. And then when whoever they draft is ready, then they play him. Wrapping it up with you, I want to talk about the footprint of Vegas with the trips you've been there so far to see the Raider facility, Allegiant Stadium, what Mark Davis has done to build that brand. we got a Super Bowl. You'll be there next year with us on Radio Row. What do you think of the Las Vegas Raiders as a business going forward with the NFL? I could not love it more. Great. I could not. Of all the things I've had (laughs) where I've covered the NFL, and there's plenty of stories that I've had, plenty of stories I've missed, plenty of stuff I don't remember from the last 10 years. I will never forget where I was standing when I heard the rumor that Mark Davis was in Vegas um, with Sheldon Adelson, I think, yeah, at, at that time. Yeah. Uh, and, and I reached out to a high-ranking league source, and I'm like, isn't this ridiculous? And the response I got was, why? And I'm like, oh, my God, this actually may happen. And it was so mind-blowing that the Oakland Raiders could actually move to Vegas and the NFL could set up the footprint that they have in Vegas now. It's crazy to me. It is brilliant. It looks awesome. It is The stadium could not be better for the team that it it represents. It's perfect. Um, I love where, where the Raiders are going forward. I think they're in good hands from a football sense and business sense. Uh, and I look forward to next year's Super Bowl. Last one. You're on with Pat McAfee a lot. You see FanDuel. You see DraftKings. You see the gambling aspect. If we talked about that five years ago or even longer than that, Tony Romo couldn't have his fantasy camp in Vegas, a fantasy football uh, party there. So what's going to happen going forward? How is the NFL thinking about this gambling partnership early and going forward? Well, I mean, the NFL does have gambling partnerships, yeah. and teams have gambling partnerships. Teams have opened up sports books. I would expect it only to increase, um, and I mean, there's there's a lot of interest. I think it makes it fun for people. I don't gamble myself. I'm Amen. not allowed to, um, but I do appreciate why other people like it, and I think it's only increasing. What a revenue stream. Seems to be giving a lot of money, yes. Ian, thanks for doing this. All Thank the best. You, thanks for coming on. All right, really cool. Ian Rappaporto, I just spoke to right before the show. And we're really, uh, he's really fascinated about the growth of Vegas and what's happening with the NFL and the economy. We were talking about that off the air before I interviewed him, so I wanted to get that in at the end. And then you got the whole opinion on Derek Carr and the fit and what could happen with Derek. Look, I never dreamed. We set up Radio Row months ago. We knew we were coming out here to Phoenix. I thought that Derek Carr was probably not going to be the quarterback of this team when we got win that, you know, his contract didn't have to be extended. Uh, then he was benched because they didn't want to get him hurt. And everybody, everybody who's a big boy in radio understands that. That was a calculated risk by the Raiders to not hurt their quarterback, their franchise quarterback, so they'd have the opportunity to do with what they're doing today to try to get any value from Derek Carr in a trade in New Orleans. Now, Dennis Allen was the quarterback when he was drafted. If Dennis Allen loves to fit and if Dennis Allen wants to keep his job, 
You go to, if you're Derek Carr and go to New Orleans, and in the last game he played there, might have been the worst game of his career. Derek didn't get the ball past the 50-yard line. I think it's safe to say that was the worst game of his career. But he's had great experiences also in New Orleans, and I remember another great game that he had there. So I hope he goes to New Orleans. And I think if Derek goes to New Orleans, he has a great chance of going to the playoffs in year one. The culture of that defense led by Dennis Allen is badass. And with all the weapons that they have on offense, they're a really good team. I can't dive deep into the offensive line. But what I care about on Raider Nation Radio is the bigger story. How do you go out and get something for Derek Carr along the way? And Vinny Bonsignor is going to join us coming up here next. And we're supposed to potentially maybe get Joe Montana. So that's going to be fluid here. Bill Romanowski at the top of the hour. Uh, James Lofton had a conversation with me about the Raiders, which is really good. So that's where we're going. And I hope to come out of these breaks and get a couple of phone calls from you. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. Thanks again to Jim Kelly. And thanks to Remy Martin, proud partner of our show. Serena Williams has a one-minute commercial coming up here. There's a big commercial coming up with Remy Martin. Uh, Remy Martin, with all of their sponsorship for us in Las Vegas, has a massive footprint out here from parties, from their brand partnerships, everything they're doing. I'm thanking all of our partners here, and I want to thank Remy Martin as we get it rolling here and open up the show. So coming up, it's fluid. Either we're going to come right out of the gate with Joe Montana in a few minutes, or we're going to jump in with Vinny Bonsignor, and we'll just keep shuffling them around. Bobby's back uh, flying this helicopter of Sports Talk Radio, and uh, he does a great job as always. So jump on in with me, 702-365-9200 from Radio Row. If you're betting the game, tell me how you're betting it. Who do you like overall with the total? Who's going to be the MVP? And as you know, my pick, if you didn't hear it already, Philadelphia 28, Kansas City 24. The Chiefs lose another Super Bowl. And how glorious would that be? Back to JT the Brick, live from Radio Row in Arizona. Brought to you by Subaru of Las Vegas on Rainbow and the 215. Now back to the JT the Brick Show. And it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Sponsored by Dos Caras Tequila. And presented by the Realty One Group. 10, 9, 8. The Philadelphia Eagles have won the NFC Championship. 4, 3, 2, 1. By the final score, the Eagles 31, the 49ers 7. Attention, air traffic control. A flock of Eagles is heading to Arizona. That's Eagles Radio on the call. JT back at Radio Row. Vinny Bonsignor, our teammate from Vegas Nation, the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and Raider Nation Radio joins us. And, Vinny, we just had Ian Rappaport, and your reporting is just as good. I know you have some information last night on Derek Carr and what's possibly going down today in New Orleans. Please get us up to date. Yeah, uh, Derek Carr is, uh, is going to meet with the Saints, obviously, if he's not meeting already. I'm sure a lot's going to get discussed on both sides. I think the Saints want to talk to Derek Carr uh, to find out his interest, to gauge his interest, and get into his head, uh, and vice versa. So there's going to be some uh, dual interviewing going on uh, here between the player uh, and the team. And, and, you know, Derek's going to do his due diligence 
uh, as he should. Uh, he's got the veto power in terms of the no-trade clause, so he's going to want to hear what he wants to hear from the Saints in terms of their leadership, in terms of their commitment, in terms of their coaching staff, uh, what that roster looks like, what their plans are uh, to continue to improve that team. And I would imagine if he hears uh, what he wants to hear, then he'll waive the no-trade clause. If he doesn't, he won't. All right, Vinny, you, I think, summed it up perfectly with your Twitter and what you've been talking about, about the compensation structure and what could happen in order for the Raiders to approve Derek to have the opportunity to actually visit in New Orleans. Take our listeners behind the scenes and what that means, even though a deal isn't in place on a trade. Yeah, and when you say a deal is not in place, that's only because it has to be signed off on by, uh, by Derek Carr, but... As part of the Raiders' stipulation to allow a team to then talk to Derek Carr, there had to be an agreement in place in terms of what that compensation was going to be. So they've agreed uh, on, on that part. You know, the, the, the Saints understand what it would cost. Uh, the Raiders are, are uh, okay with what they've uh, come together with, uh, decided upon uh, in terms of compensation, and that then green light uh, the, the, the talk between Derek Carr and the Saints. The Raiders are never going to let Derek Carr speak to anyone short of that. And the reason why is, number one, it's bad precedent. That's not how these types of deals go down. Can you imagine any team allowing any player to just go start talking to any team that they want? Uh, you can see what could possibly happen uh, in that regard without any kind of compensation being, uh, being already brought to the table. So the Raiders, as they should, wanted to control that part of the process. Now, again, the ball is basically in the Saints and Derek Carr's uh, court to decide whether or not there is truly a fit there, and that's what it's going to come down to—a comfort level between the team uh, and the player. And if all things, all the boxes get the correct boxes get checked off, their car might be uh, a safe. If not, uh, they'll go back to the drawing board. The Raiders uh, will, and uh, I'm sure continue uh, to talk to other teams uh, ahead of that February 15th deadline. But I think the hope for everybody, uh, and probably including their car, he wants to hear what he wants to hear from the Saints that that this, this thing gets wrapped up in a favorable uh, fashion for both the player and all teams involved. Vinny Bonson, you're kind enough to join us. We're live from Radio Row. So, Vinny, I thought it would be an NFC South team if he ends up somewhere because the AFC, there's six or seven quarterbacks off the top of my head that are clearly better than Derek. It's not even close. They're elite quarterbacks. And if Derek goes to the NFC South, every team in that division needs a quarterback from Tampa Bay to Carolina, Atlanta, and New Orleans, so I thought there'd be a race within those four teams in one division, plus the Jets to go get him, and then Indianapolis was looming. I never thought Indy would be the right fit because Je Derek would still have to compete with Burrow, Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, and all these other quarterbacks. So where do you think, and I know this is an open-ended question, when you see his strength, his style, and what he's been through, where do you think Derek could be a good fit outside the Raiders? Yeah, well, I think the Saints are definitely a good fit for all the reasons that you just articulated. Uh, it's a quarterback sort of uh, starved uh, division. Uh, he'd be playing indoors. Um, you know, you're talking about great climate when you're talking about Atlanta also being uh, indoors. Uh, Carolina is, uh, I mean, it gets cold somewhat, but not the kind of freezing cold uh, that some other divisions uh, deal with. And certainly Florida uh, playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, you know, is, is usually a pretty pleasant experience and it's a, it's a division that he could go in there and compete with you know the the, 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 uh, the Buccaneers won that division with an under 500 record that kind of gives you an idea of, of uh, the path that potentially might exist 
uh, to the playoffs. The Saints are a pretty good team, so a lot of things check off in terms of I would think anyway Derek Carr and the fit with the uh, with the Colts. Or, excuse me with the uh, with the Saints. Uh, I do think the Jets could jump in. Um, you know, uh, at some point uh, that makes a lot of sense for for where they are. Washington makes a little bit of sense in terms of where they are on their roster. I think the Carolina Panthers uh, make sense. But right now, I think the focus is strictly on uh, the Saints. I think the Raiders would love for this thing to get wrapped up as quickly as possible in a favorable way uh, for them. And I think that from Derek Carr's perspective, whether this helps the Raiders or hurts the Raiders, that shouldn't be any kind of a consideration. And I don't think it is. He's going to have to make the decision that works best for him regardless of what uh, the ramifications are, are for the Raiders. And as I look at the Saints, and granted, we're on the outside looking in. We're not, we don't know what they're talking about, uh, what the contract might end up looking, looking like. The Saints might ask you know, uh, Derek Carr to make a massive uh, uh, pay cut, so that probably wouldn't be what he wants to hear. But I think if, if, if most of those boxes get checked off, this seems like a really good place for Derek Carr. Wrapping it up with Vinny Bonson, you are very kind with this time. We appreciate him joining us with all its proud partners that we'll get to. Vinny, you know I wanted Tom Brady and I want Aaron Rodgers. I want the greatest to ever play the game to consider the Raiders if it works, if it makes sense. I've heard you a bunch on the morning show talk about how it could work, how it possibly could work with Aaron Rodgers, because it can always work with any player. You can massage the cap. You can figure it out. You could spread out a contract over more years. But everybody who comes up to me, says, you know, how do you do this with Aaron Rodgers if he doesn't even want to play anymore or just one year or possibly two? What's the scenario where the Raiders can sign Aaron Rodgers and make it work financially? Yeah, I think that, I think that part of it is, I wouldn't say the easy part, uh, but it's definitely doable. I've talked to enough NFL executives and agents uh, that have kind of walked me through what a blueprint trip might look like uh, where Aaron Rodgers does get uh, traded to the Raiders, and, and they're able to take that $60 million and manipulate it in a way where it actually might put a little bit more money into Aaron Rodgers' pocket, but it would be, be spread over uh, a couple of years rather than one lump sum. So that, you know, definitely works out from the Raiders' uh, perspective. The, you know, the, there is the question of how many years is he going to uh, commit to you. Uh, if I'm the Raiders, I only do it if there's uh, at least two years that he's going to commit to uh, because that really does help maximize the window that they have with guys like Devontae Adams and Max Crosby and Chandler Jones and, and Darren Waller, as if you look at where they are contractually. Uh, I do reject the notion that it's an either-or uh, in terms of if you bring in Aaron Rodgers, you're sacrificing your future. I reject that wholeheartedly. Good teams, good organizations are able to figure it all out. It, you know, Even if the Raiders have to give up the seventh pick overall to get Aaron Rodgers, and maybe a pick next year, um, they, they, they would still have ten picks left in this year's draft. That doesn't include whatever they might get uh, for, for Derek uh, Carr. That's too many picks uh, to be able to, to be in one year, really, to start talking about, well, Aaron Rodgers is going to completely sabotage their future. That doesn't, it doesn't, it shouldn't work that way. Now, obviously, it's predicated on the Raiders maximizing those draft assets, but if they can, then they can have their cake and eat it, too. They can bring in a veteran quarterback. They can start rebuilding that defense and, the, and make the improvements that they need on the offensive line. Heck, they could even come up with a quarterback further down in the draft that might be the quarterback of the future. So, again, it's not an either-or, and I think there's this presumption that you're making one decision or the other. If you go Aaron Rodgers, there goes your future, as if you're not going to ever have another draft pick again. Or if you go young, um, then you can't do Aaron Rodgers. I, I think you can accomplish both the good teams 
are able to do that. Uh, Vinny, let's make sure we get this to your proud partners. I would not be on Radio Row if it wasn't for you, your concepts, all your uh, advertisers, what you're doing here in Las Vegas. Tell us about them because they're a big reason why our station's here on Radio Row. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Here locally in Las Vegas, those products hit the market. Uh, so uh, they're all over town uh, at all the various spots uh, uh, in, in order for you to, to purchase those products. And we're very happy uh, that they're on board. Realty One Group, uh, if you're buying or selling a home right now and it's a good time uh, in either situation, they're the ones to call. They've been here for uh, almost 20 years. They've been great neighbors and a great asset to the community, whether it's for buying or selling. Uh, and I know that they're proud uh, that you guys are down there uh, in, in, in Arizona right now, uh, along with our other great sponsors that have helped out. Uh, so uh, it's a great moment for everybody. A lot of good information, Vinny, as always. We'll see you back in Vegas. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thank you. Have a great week. You got it, Vinny Bonsignor. Fantastic information. We just had on the flagship of the Raiders, Ian Rappaport and Vinny Bonsignor back-to-back. That is real good radio, and I had nothing to do with it. Those two gentlemen can tell you and take you behind the scenes of what could happen here as the Derek Carr sweepstakes is underway. And, and out of all the respect that we all have for Derek Carr, some more than others, it's very important that we understand that Derek now has an opportunity in this next stage of his life to do great things. And he did some really good things with the Raiders. But great is winning playoff games and winning a Super Bowl. And it didn't work out in Oakland and Las Vegas. And Derek's going to look for the best opportunity for it to work out somewhere else. Where could that be? I think, as Vinny said, it was always for me, Carolina and New Orleans. I think New Orleans is a better team. Dennis Allen, who I've worked with in the past, is a fine defensive coach. Do I think he's a great head coach? No, I don't think he's Sean Payton, who's now with Denver. I don't think he's a great head coach like the legends before him, but he's pretty good on defense, and they'll figure it out on offense if Derek Carr's there. Carolina, I think, would be a great fit for Derek for his family. I really do. From the times I've been to Charlotte compared to New Orleans, and Drew Brees had a wonderful time in New Orleans, but he really didn't live there. He lived in San Diego pretty much the entire time he was there. He just commuted back to New Orleans and had a place there. Uh, Derek could have a wonderful life with Carol- in Carolina with one of the richest owners in sports, David Tepper. So there's a lot going on in Derek's mind. And a trade makes more sense because it can guarantee more of the money that's guaranteed by the Raiders if he gets traded. Does everybody understand that? Uh, Derek is doing risk-reward. If Derek believes that he can go to a new team and not do a deal with the Raiders and become a free agent, that new team could on paper give Derek more money, but most likely not. Uh, Derek is at the top of his market where he is in his category from what he's getting from the Raiders. If a team wants to trade for that, I think it would behoove Derek to take that trade. And then there could be a restructure. They could give him more money on the back end. A lot of things could happen. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm loving the fact that something might because I think the Raiders would love to get some type of draft equity. Could it be a third-round pick? Could it be a four? I don't know. I've had people say third-round pick. I had an insider tell me second-round pick. And then I had someone tell me a fourth-round pick. So I think anywhere from a third or fourth-round pick to Derek Carr, Derek Carr would be off the books, and the Raiders can use that money to get a legendary quarterback in Aaron Rodgers or go with Stidham with a young quarterback, but that young quarterback better be great. He's got to be great. It can't be a risky player. They're all risky, but there's two quarterbacks in this draft, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, who are going to be great. And if the Raiders have to move up from seven to go get him, move up from seven and go get him. 
I don't think this is a spot where you wait for a quarterback at seven or you wait into the second or third round. Maybe they do it. Hey, get a quarterback in the third round if you get Aaron Rodgers. That would be the best case scenario for me. 702-365-9200. That was also brought to you by our great friends at Grimaldi's. Grimaldi's brings us to the Super Bowl, and I can tell you this much, there's no pizza in Phoenix that can stand up to Grimaldi's. Grimaldi's is the best pizza I've ever had, and I'm from New York, and I know good pizza, and I wish I had my Brooklyn Bridge pizza right here at Radio Row. Grimaldi's, proud partner of our show. The JT The Brick Show is live from Radio Row in Arizona, thanks to Subaru of Las Vegas on Rainbow and the 215. Mahomes trying to buy some time on that bad ankle, moving to his right. He is now scrambling, and he's going to get a first down, and now gets hit late! He gets hit late! He gets hit late! Mahomes gets hit late! It'll be a 15-yard penalty on top of the gain, and the gain should be bound to the 35-yard line. Whenever I hear that hit and the play-by-play voice of the Chiefs loving the 15 yards. Did you hear that? Incredible. Uh, Kyle Turley has turned out to be one of my very good friends. I work with him at Gridiron Greats. On behalf of Mike Ditka, Brian Erlacher is taking over for Coach Ditka now. And Kyle is out here. He's a musician. He's a philanthropist. He is an advocate of cannabis. He does a lot of things over the years that are very special. And he just recently joined me from Radio Row. My good friend Kyle Turley's here on Radio Row. We've been doing this for 20 years, possibly. Long time. How are you, my brother? <laughs> yeah, it's like 16 years. It has been. That I've been out of football. Yeah, and yeah. we've been doing this the entire time because you started yeah. getting, you started understanding Radio Row and whatever mm-hmm. you were presenting or talking about as an entrepreneur. It's always been good to you. You've made a lot of friends here. Well, it started out, you know, with the Gridiron Greats. Yeah. You know, that's what it started out as, uh, really trying to go around and make a, people aware of all the things that are going on in our community that shouldn't be happening. Right. You know, so I was raising hell for a little while. And then I got, you know, my music out and was around Nashville, kicked that off, started going around playing. And, you know, then I brought the guitar. So, you know. Your music's good. You played at Gridiron Greats the last couple of years, most recently in L.A. How's the music going? Going. It's still going. Good. You know, music's one of those things. Until you get the uh, the golden ticket, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I, I toured with everybody under the sun in country music. And, yeah, you just wait for your shot, you know. So you just keep playing. What inspires you musically? Are you a guy who has to write and work on for a while or does it come to you pretty quick yeah that's i mean some come real quick some are you know i got one great song came like immediately uh it's out there you can download it it's uh, called fortune and pain nice yeah that came to me right after steve gleason came and told me at one of my shows over on the north shore louisiana that he had als and i just sat there real quiet in the corner after he came and told me that and because my grandfather passed als and i knew what was about to happen to him and it wasn't pretty, so, you know, but God, geez, what, 10, 16 years? That guy is still here. What Unreal. a warrior. warrior. What a warrior, warrior when it comes brother. to that. Kyle Turley's our guest. What is the connection with CTE 
with ALS, some of the issues that we've talked about for years from playing football and what's changed when it comes to health and wellness to help people in future generations to come? Yeah, well, nothing much has changed, unfortunately. I mean, this disease is still yeah, here. You know, absolutely. It's never going away as we've come to understand more well, about, about treatment? it. And the treatment as well. I mean, look at what happened to Tua this year. It's, it's shameful. That's what's going on in the NFL right now when it comes to these cognitive injuries. And uh, the NFL should uh, – it, it, it's, it's really – negligent you know somebody should stand up for the players uh, because they these doctors have total protection under the collective bargaining agreement and again we've had clear evidence of second impact syndrome being the most damaging and you got guys like Tua you know and and right before what a week ago they just said he if he was playing the Super Bowl he would have been playing they stay cleared him on concussion protocol. All right, this is a big topic for me (laughs) because I talked about it every night what was the real deal your opinion you're not a doctor I'm a friend and a radio host. When Tua went down, Hunter Renfro for the Raiders went down this year, got hit mm-hmm. hard on the yep. home opener. Remember that hit? And all of a sudden, Hunter was gone. Yeah. And he was gone for one week. And then two weeks, and I'm saying to myself, Tua on the other side of the country, they get him back in the game. Yeah. Then when Tua got his third concussion, I believe, at the time, it felt like the NFL was scared to death along with the Dolphins. The press conferences were an embarrassment. Yeah, They put Mike McDaniel in a really tough spot. You could tell the owners, by the way, uh, he's parked, he's suspended for the year. No one could get an answer yeah. with what was going on with Tua's concussion protocol. What do you think was going on? Perfect scenario. You've got a coach who needs to keep his mouth shut if he wants right. to keep his job, right? And you've got a scenario down there with just clear negligence that these people are putting. I mean, you, we saw what happened to DeMar Hamlin. That, 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 that should have and could have been Tua, you know, mm-hmm. out there after them putting him back out there over and again when he was clearly having cognitive issues. And then, to, you know, say, I don't know how many guys you've talked to, but all the guys that I talked to that are active players say it's not a problem to you know breeze through the concussion protocol that they do right you know it's real uh, infantile and, and ridiculous as far as their you know standards are concerned for clearing a guy to go back out there still you know so nothing's changed at the end of the day what has to change is that these players are given cannabis i don't know how much more i can continue to come yeah. around here but i'm gonna because uh i guess it's going to be about who's the last man standing here so <laughs> no i'll just keep point. going you know what about cannabis in regards to the treatment of concussions or what happens throughout your life? Tie that in for me. As, a, as an emergency medicine on the field must be implemented immediately. There's nasals. There's all kinds of other things that can be a, a applied in those situations to allow this thing to do its job, which is to have neuroprotective aspects that are going on inside your body. It's the only patented neuroprotective substance in the world is cannabinoids, not anything else. There's nothing. Look it up. Not a thing out there in the world has been patented as a neuroprotective protecting outside of cannabinoids and so this has to be implemented in these concussion situations but in all these orthopedic situations again they're injecting tordol and all these other drugs into us giving us vicodin in boatloads and bags full you know bottles full but it's not back in the day when you played so now it shouldn't be still the same it shouldn't be opioids because you've been fighting this and the nfl's aware of lawsuits and players like yourself who played at the highest level multiple pro bowlers saying this Uh, kyle turley's our guest Let me ask you what should concussion protocol be? Because my theory, again, is saying it used to be following week you're playing. You go in protocol after a game on Sunday. You clear it by Wednesday, Thursday, and you play. This year I noticed it's now going out to two weeks. Hunter Renfro, for example. And, again, we're not a doctor. Tua on the extreme side. 
Do you believe the NFL is going to move to a concussion protocol where no matter what the grade of the concussion is, you're out two to three weeks? I can just say it's it's just, you know, everybody can say what they want about all these things. You know, you go to a situation like COVID and we shut the world down for supposedly it was going to be 14 days. How can't we just do that for a concussion? Okay. Yeah, 14 days. Like, uh, if that's supposed to do something for us, then let's go to that model because that immediately takes somebody off the field for two weeks and gives them the opportunity. I remember when I had my bad concussions, they asked me, how are you doing, Kyle? Well, my head hurts really bad. Okay, we'll see how you do today. You know, that seems to be the case because I I know Tua's head's probably killing him, and any hit right after that is going to affect him, obviously, as it did, and it's going to continue to do so and get lesser and lesser opportunities for you to have longevity if you keep doing that and not let it rest and recover because there is a time frame that the Academy of Neurology and everybody else from Chris Nowinski and Robert Cantu and Bennett Omalu and all these other doctors out here who screamed at the NFL have said needs to be put in place, and they still don't do that. Kyle Turley as we wrap it up. So, in the future, Joe Burrow's playing in the first round of the playoffs, and they're probably going to the Super Bowl. He gets concussed. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way he's missing the next game in the playoffs unless there is some type of protocol and procedure. Is that fair for me to say that it's a two-week concussion or it's three-week? Because we know with the money on the line, which we've talked about and everything else, they're going to want that player back on the field. 100%. I mean, so it's going to affect the game. And so that's where you have backups. And you got about three or four other guys sitting there that have multi-million dollar contracts that are quarterbacks in the NFL. And so if a guy gets that injury, he needs to be protected. Because I can guarantee you, 10 years down the road, he's going to wish somebody stepped in in that situation. I wish somebody stepped in in my situation because it was the thing that just shifted my entire career. It wasn't the back injury, it was the head injury because my mind couldn't deal with anything after that, especially the process of trying to get back to the field. And if we can't address this right now and we can't grow up enough to say that this game is that dangerous that we need to start doing these types of things, then again, we could just keep going over and over and just give me what I want and that's allow cannabis in the game and stop testing for marijuana period because nobody will die. The concussions can be back out on the field real quick and they won't ever have the residual effects that i have tell us about revenant uh revenant started that company two three years ago out california we're now licensing in about nine different states uh here in arizona we're with jameer miller he's got a great group out here and then raul molina with the mint out here that we're blanketing arizona with we're going to be in nevada here real soon we'll be having another event next year next year's super bowl uh friday we're having a huge golf tournament full consumption all cannabis uh on every hole come on out anthem golf and country club if you if you love golf and you love cannabis, come on out. We've got Cannabis Talk 101. We've got Fairchild Events, who puts on the biggest cannabis events in the world. And we're going to take over Anthem Golf Club on Friday. So and I'm back in Vegas doing the show next week. Let's get you on again yes, sir. and promote this. And we'll we'll be in, it. in Vegas at the Super Bowl next year. Absolutely. Same thing. We've got another golf country club uh, through Club Corps as our partner. And awesome. we're going to be at every Super Bowl with full consumption cannabis events. I'll see you at Gridiron Greats. Yes, sir. Thursday, yes, Thursday night. night, Gridiron Greats. Thanks for your friendship. Buddy. Love you, brother. Love you, Always. too, man. Kyle Turley. Yes, sir. Yeah, Kyle's a good guy. I hope you enjoyed that. Kyle is a proponent for cannabis when it comes to healing and for football to get everyone off of opioids. And when Kyle started coming here around 16, 15 years ago, that's what, that was his thing. It wasn't a gimmick. He was sitting down with every radio station talking about the importance of cannabis and how cannabis can heal. 
And now I believe him because that's all he's been talking about, and the NFL's coming around on it, and more and more athletes are using cannabis for pain. And now he's crossed over to the next level where he's got real products and people believe in him, and he's got big events. And a lot of athletes, including Jim McMahon, who's with him here, on this little radio road tour, believe that they can help others. That's why I like Kyle Turley. Big part of my life, courtesy of Gridiron Greats. Bill Romanowski, he'll join us live right here at the top of the hour. Romocop is on next.